It's time for JT the Brick. We have a goal, we have ideas, we know exactly what we want to do here. The Raiders can hit the lottery on defense. They really are. They're holding a lottery ticket. If everybody is nuts enough to jump in and decide to go quarterback, 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 then the Raiders are three picks away. And I think there are five to six defensive players in the draft that are all home runs. I think if they can get four defensive starters who are young and they let them play, and two of them are elite and two of them are very good, then I think the Raiders could have a completely different look for this entire franchise. So the Raiders are doing their due diligence. That's Captain Obvious stuff. JT the Brick. All these mock drafts are crazy. All you're going to hear from me for the next three weeks, give me the best defensive player available at number seven. But in my position in this seat, I'm going to be Mr. Positive in April and May. Okay, I'm not going to your sports bar and walking in and saying this team sucks. Find another guy. I'm sure there's plenty in town. Let that sink in. And now, with the seventh pick, the Las Vegas Raiders select JT the Brick. All right, JT, back with you. The day we lost our blue Twitter checkmark, unless we pay. And I'm an Elon guy. I, I know the boring company and Tesla and SpaceX, which had a problem earlier and all that. But uh, I don't think I'm going to pay for my blue checkmark. Because I, I don't. I, it's, not, it's less than one of my rounds of beer tonight at T-Mobile. So one guy said, what are you cheap? You're not going to pay for it? I go, no, out of principle, my goal is to get off Twitter more and more, get off social media more and more, not get on it more, and pay for it. But I like Elon. I'm an Elon fan. Got the stock. I'm okay. I'm, I'm fine with everything here. But a lot of people losing their blue today, which is trending. Trending. Losing the blue, which I feel for you. Sorrow and pain today if you lost your blue Twitter check mark. Kevin Ioli on the fight in a minute. I want to get these two callers up quickly. They've been waiting. Snow Raider in Tahoe. You're up next. Go ahead. What's happening? Hey, thanks, Bobby. Thanks, JT. Um, going off your monologue, you're 100% correct. Politicians have slowly abandoned all the professional teams in Oakland. It's sad. Yesterday I played Ferris Bueller with my son. We went down to the A's game and played a little hooky. Game was great. We sat in the diamond section. I was staring at my old Raider season tickets right above me in the black hole in section 222. I was trying to explain to my son who never had the ability to go as a youngster to a Raiders game in that stadium. And I told him this is the birthplace of the Raiders, and now it's gone. I applaud Mark Davis for leaving. As you know, I went to a game last year against the Chargers. Great experience. I'll be back in Vegas for it. Raiders did the right thing. It's all smoke and mirrors with John Fisher. His dad founded the Gap. He's in finance. He coached his kid in baseball. He's a Giants fan. This is just another thing on his uh, his uh, job, his books for making money and stuff. He has abandoned people like Chris from West Oakland and the rest of those fans. I empathize with every one of them. Everyone was so nice yesterday. Unfortunately, it was all Cubs fan. All the staff at the stadium and stuff. It's Oakland, Alameda. It was great. It was just sad that it's going to die and go away. So thank you very much. Thank you. Um, let's go Raiders. Thank you. You know, look, again, I know a lot of people that work at the Coliseum. I know people that love the A's. It's a tough day today. Again, it hasn't happened. Nothing's guaranteed. They came to agreement on the dirt. Does that mean the team's moving with this owner or not? we got a long way to get to this topic. I'm much more interested in the fight this weekend and obviously the Golden Knights game that I'm going to tonight. All interest to great Kevin Ioli, the best MMA and boxing writer in the world. And... Kevin, a couple of thoughts before we get to the fight. First on VGK, they got pushed around. They got thrown around. They got dominated at home. Not the right way to start the postseason. Did not really like that game one. I mean, that was embarrassing, and I thought Winnipeg's top line 
was fantastic, and our top line was not really that good. And but it, you know, it wasn't a one line JT in my opinion. That was a total team effort. I thought Brossois acquitted himself fairly well, mm-hmm. but the rest of the team, uh, not too many guys showed up. Tank Davis, Ryan Garcia, take us behind the scenes, like you can only do on how this fight was brought together, how we're actually getting a real fight with two great fighters at the top of their game, and it wasn't held up along the way, or was it? Take us behind the scenes of this negotiation. Well, they tried. You know, boxing politics tried to hold it up, uh, but give credit to the two fighters, Garcia and Davis, and in particular Ryan Garcia. He called for Tank Davis a while ago. Tank Davis laughed him off, and he just kept calling for him, kept calling for him, and Davis said, hey, if you want to fight me, I'll, I'll fight you. Let's do it. Um, and in November, of all things, they announced an agreement that they were going to fight. And yet, even then, there were people getting in trying to break it up and trying to get something going on. And it finally didn't get uh, finalized until early March. I mean, so six weeks out from the fight. But Ryan Garcia himself really made an effort to get this fight made. And he said, this is the fight I want. I'm not taking any other fight. He made sure his promoter, Oscar De La Hoya, didn't entertain any other options. And Bingo, here we are now a couple of days away from what should be a really fascinating fight. Kevin Ioli's our guest. Why should it be a great fight? Talk about the styles, the size, and strength of these boxers. Well, JT, I think the one thing that's really fun about this is both guys have knockout power. Now, they're in, in, knockout power in different ways. Tank's one of those thudding guys. You know, he, I mean, he is quick, but he's not, his power comes from his strength. And Ryan Garcia's got power. His power comes from his unbelievable quickness. He's one of the fastest-handed fighters I have ever seen. Uh, And so they both can knock you out with one shot. They both can hurt you at any point in the fight. Um, They're kind of different styles as as they box. Uh, Ryan's going to give a lot of movement, create some angles. Tank's going to be stalking uh, going forward. But this is a fight because the fact that they both have big power. You're going to be on the edge of your seat all the time, like Ryan Garcia fans. If he's rolling up the rounds and maybe he's up after eight, six rounds to two, you can't really feel good because, you know, Tank has proven himself to be a a closer, and down the stretch he's been able to go ahead and finish people. Conversely, you know, if uh, Tank is a slow starter, but if he gets off to a good fight, you know, start. Ryan Garcia has that left hook that everybody talks about. I mean, he he hit Luke Campbell with it in the liver and forget about it. That was over. Uh, So, you know, it's one of those fights you're going to be on the edge of your seat while it's going on all 36 minutes of the fight or however long it goes. Kevin Ioli joins us. So more on Garcia. He has a tremendous Instagram and social media following. Fans from all over the world. He embraces all different types of fans. Young boxing fans, old school. I just want to dive into this because you look at a lot of the pay-per-view numbers at the end, what happens the next day and, you know, the gate and all that. This is a fighter that is undefeated. He's had a nice record taking on a fighter that could beat him. And he's embracing it all with his fans. It feels like his fans want to be behind the scenes with him. Yeah, no, I think he's done a tremendous job. I mean, he made him, you know, he kind of separated himself from the pack years ago. Uh, He came up with Tefimo Lopez, Mm -hmm. Devin Haney, guys like that. And, you know, he was the guy that way back when, five, six years ago, had this massive social media following, and he's only added to it. Um, and, and I think he's making it a big fight. Now, when we say big fight, like big fight for now, pay-per-view numbers are way, way, way down compared to where they were even a couple of years ago. Um, and while Oscar De La Hoya is talking about, and I mentioned this in my column that I wrote today and was posted just a little bit ago on Yahoo mm-hmm. Sports, that, you know, Oscar's talking about pay-per-view records and huge numbers. 
Unfortunately, it's not going to get that. I don't think it's going to get a really, really big pay-per-view number, but there's going to be a really solid gate at this fight. It's going to be a big gate. Um, there's going to be you know, a lot of fan interest in this fight. And I think what it shows is other fighters, this is the path to follow. And if you follow this path, you're going to be big. And I think, um, you know, Ryan Garcia, I wrote today, is doing kind of what Oscar De La Hoya did. Mm-hmm. Now, De La Hoya fought better fighters earlier in his career. When De La Hoya was 23-0, and as Ryan Garcia is now, I think he had fought eight world champions and was preparing to fight Julio Cesar Chavez. Um, you know, Ryan Garcia doesn't have that kind of resume, but he's starting on that path. And he's only 24 years old, JT. Yeah, Kevin Ioli joins us. He's got great columns, plural, up at Yahoo Sports. Check them all out. You know, Kevin, as long as we've been friends and going to fights together, and I remember De La Hoya's run, and then Tito Trinidad, and then Floyd coming behind, and Manny Pacquiao, we saw all his fights. How does it affect you still when you drive in, you get there, because you get there early to watch all the fights, you park, you get in there, and then the energy builds, and it builds and builds. Compare that to MMA, traveling the globe, and what you've seen in boxing, and how they're similar, or are they vastly different? I I think they're very similar. I think the biggest difference for uh, boxing versus MMA is that, especially the UFC, but for a lot of the major promoters in MMA, they build undercards and they, they take care in putting good fights on the undercards where a lot of times in boxing you don't. So we're paying $85 for this fight on Saturday night, right? And there's going to be virtually nobody in T-Mobile Arena until, you know, during the, the semi-main uh, event, right? Mm-hmm. Then you'll get some people start to show up. But boxing fans basically, especially at this level, they show up for the main event. And, and I think that's different, whereas if you go to a UFC fight, with the exception of really JT, and I have to be honest here, <laughs> of T-Mobile Arena because the Las Vegas fans – show up late but you'll get uh you, you know you look at uh when they go this arena is filled at uh two o'clock in the afternoon and that's the difference between an mma show and a boxing show they're going to get there on that boxing show it is going to be very crowded and very uh expensive gate but they're not going to have the crowd in there watching the the young undercard fighters like they do at an mma show Kevin Ioli, as we wrap it up, Errol Spence, Bud Crawford, anything when they see these two gentlemen and what they're doing fighting in a big fight where they're in their prime going after each other, maybe that potential fight and other ones that you hope we'll see by the end of this year? Well, you know, that, the two big ones are that fight and Fury and Usyk. Uh, the Fury and Usyk one is just asinine that it wasn't put together. I mean, they had agreed on everything. And then they have a disagreement over what Usyk would be paid in a rematch. Are you kidding me that that was what ended up killing the fight? Um, so those are the two that, you know, we want to see get put together. The thing is why I'm always so bullish on this is if these big fights happen, it kind of gets like an avalanche. You know, if it's just one, if it's Garcia Davis, and then we go six months without anything, you lose momentum. Mm-hmm. But if you have, you know, for uh, say we had Garcia Davis this month, and then we had Crawford Spence next month, and two months after that we had Fury versus Usyk, this sport is great and thrives when you have those big moments. There's right. nothing like a big heavyweight title fight where you never know what's going to happen. Think of that Wilder Fury three fight at T-Mobile Arena. What a moment. What a great fight. And, and what an event that was. That's what we can have all the time if these guys would come to their senses. I'll see you Saturday night, Kevin. Thanks for the time as always. You're the best. Look forward to it, bro. See you. You got it. Kevin Ioli. Really good to get him on. He is the number one boxing MMA writer in the world. And he joins us. I text him, when do you need me? 
And to get him on, that's a really good guess. Kevin Ioli, go read all of his work on the Davis-Ryan Garcia fight. So tonight I'm going to T-Mobile, and then Saturday night I'm going to T-Mobile for a hockey game and a fight. And there's nothing like the fights. There's just nothing like it. I, again, this is a fight that I've been waiting to see for a while because of the trash talking. Davis is in the face of Garcia. Garcia's handling it well. Both fighters are undefeated and skilled. Garcia's 24, but he's 23-0 and with 19 knockouts. That's incredible. And Tank Davis is a trash-talking lunatic. He's only 28, and he's 28-0 and 26 knockouts. So I got two great fighters in the prime of their career before they're 30. They hate each other, and Tank Davis hates him more. Garcia seems to be a good kid, and they are going to have a war at T-Mobile. This is not a powder puff contest. This isn't a jab. This isn't Floyd going up six rounds to nothing and then just boxing. And then you go home and go, what happened? Oh, Floyd won. Who cares? There was no action. Floyd just was so much better than the opponent. These two guys are going to get in the middle of the ring. One of them's going to go down. There's going to be a knockout. If not, it's going to be bloody until the final round. I cannot wait for this fight. Excited about that. If you're going, let me know and jump on. 702-365-9200. And if you wanted to comment on the A's news today, it's the biggest story in sports. Let it fly. I'm going to reset that at the bottom of the hour here on the flagship of the Raiders. Here's Robert in Portland. Robert, thank you. What's happening? Yeah, Brick. Uh, John Bell, a great right tackle, as you know, and he bat- he, he, he blocked uh, Stabler's backside mm-hmm. in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, he was the right tackle, and he's a you know, it was very important to Stabler. Uh, secondly, um, as far as the um, as Manfred is concerned, Manfred really, really pushed for this uh, brick. I know you're a Yankee fan. You'll appreciate the fact that Manfred had had it with the city of Oakland. Libby tried to do her, her thing a little bit at the end before she got, you know, get, ran out on her term. But I'm with Chris. Oakland, the city hall is a mess. We know that. And unfortunately, in the East Bay, Alameda County is what brought all those great teams uh, to the East Bay. The city of Oakland wasn't the main cop that needed those teams. It was the, the whole approval of that complex. Yep. And uh, you know from San Leandro, I, 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 I'm an Oakland native. I grew up in San Leandro. Ricky's, you've been there many yep. times. And uh, John Vela had his Raider locker room. Even after Al left Oakland... Uh, my parents had season tickets in the, it, both for the A's and the, and, the, and the Raiders for years. But I'm going to tell you about Fisher. I think Fisher is going to be uh, forced to spend one way or the other, or he's going to be out. But Manfred wanted this. He had had it with Oakland, and that's it. It's as simple as that. Baseball pushed hard for this, and, there, and four years is not that far away. I know everybody thinks it's a long ways off. But four years in this, you know, in this era isn't that far away. And if they do a good job, he's a minority owner in, you know, he's mm-hmm. not the only owner. He's a San Francisco boy. Fisher was a Giants fan when he was a kid. We all know the Haas family in our history. But I do think uh, Vegas is, needs a baseball team. I know you are skeptical about the A's, but I'm all for it. As a guy that moved to Oregon to get the hell out of Oakland, I, I'm happy. I'm happy they're going to okay. Vegas because I can fly down there real cheap. I don't want to drive down to, to Oakland. I, I wasn't for anything in Oakland. Okay. Period. All right, let me jump in. First off, I'm pro-Oakland, and some people might be laughing, streaming. What did he just say? I've always been pro-Oakland. Oakland changed my life. 
I went to Day on the Green when I was a junior in high school and saw Ozzy and Randy Rhodes. My cousin graduated from Cal and brought me around the city of Oakland when I was 16 years old. And I lived in the Bay Area. One of my best friends, who's one of the high ups at the Fillmore, was just stayed at my house the last couple of nights. I miss Oakland. I really do. I had Rob Rivera, who passed away, one of the founders of the Black Hole. Ricky, who passed away from Ricky's. Ricky and Tina, great friends of mine. I've had many dinners in Oakland. I love Oakland, and I love the core of the Oakland fans. I just got put in a really tough spot. I did, because fans don't understand all of the aspects of it. And what I try to do is run a fair pay show, but my, my allegiance is to the Raiders. It will be to the Raiders. I don't apologize for that. I'm not a journalist. Uh, my allegiance is to my job, my family first, my job, and the Raiders have been my family for 25 years, going on 25 years. And I know that the A's did the Raiders dirty. They did. So if you want to have other people interview the people in town who don't know anything about this and lead with pom-poms and say welcome to Vegas and all that, you can find them all over the dial. And please do. Please do. But if you want to hear real honest sports radio from someone who tells you the truth all the time, and even when I want the Raiders to do good and you don't like what I have to say, I'm telling you the truth. That's all I do. I'm honest behind the microphone. I exaggerate a little bit, Bobby rolling his eyes, but I have nothing to gain or lose with the A's coming here. I just want to tell you what the real story was up in Oakland. If you like baseball, go get games. Go to games. Bobby's going to go to the Red Sox games. I'm going to go to the Yankee games. I'm not going to go to any other ones. Unless my kids are there and say, Dad, let's go get a beer. Let's go get a beer and go to the game. If it's the Royals on a Tuesday night, no. No. But, you know, I don't know. I don't know how baseball's going to work in Vegas in the heat in the summer and all that. But I'm the last person you should worry about. I'm focused on a lot more other than the A's. And we'll see if that ever happens while we're all here on the radio. Until then, I'm talking Raiders draft. This is the flagship of the Silver and Black. That's the reality of it because it's the quarterback. Right. It's the most important position on the team. I mean, it really is. Yeah. And so, like, um, yeah, like the, at the end of the day, like I'm in charge of myself and, you know, our group, we're in charge of um, filling the most important position on the team. And so, yeah, there's some, you know, there's, um, there's some, uh, there's some pressure that comes along with that. And, and however we fill it, it doesn't mean we're going to have an immediate answer, you know, this year. You know what I mean? And so, um, but at the end of the day, we have to have an answer. Right. You know, in some form or fashion, you know? And so, yeah, there's pressure that comes along with it. And, and um, again, that's also part of the excitement too, is that pressure, is finding that guy. Um, and, uh, you know, that'll be the next task. Dave Ziegler, turn it up. It's a great day. 420 today. We thank Resorts World. How about this? We're introducing the brand new Golden Monkey Tiki Lounge at Resorts World. The ultimate tropical getaway. Enjoy the delicious island-inspired cocktails. Soak up the lively atmosphere. Local specials. Buy one, get one free night. Every night, 8 p.m. to midnight. Check out the new Golden Monkey Tiki Lounge and experience the ultimate tropical getaway. I'm excited. That's located near the Hilton Lobby 
Also, be sure to download the Resorts World Las Vegas sports betting app to place your bets anywhere in Nevada. So, man, wife and I got to try out the Golden Monkey Tiki Lounge as we're rolling around Resorts World. You know, Scott Sabella has a vision for entertainment. We know the biggest entertainments in the world, entertainers in the world are there. But how about sports? Sports and more sports going forward. Meet us also at Doghouse. But we're here to promote the Golden Monkey Tiki Lounge as we continue on. Levi Edwards is going to join us here in a minute as we get you ready for the Raiders draft. A lot of talk on the A's coming here. I talked to a lot of baseball fans today that are, eh, uh, whatever, when's it happening four years from now? It might feel long. It might feel fast. I don't know. I don't know who their flagship partner is going to be, what they're going to do, but uh, this is going to get ugly up in Oakland because with the Raiders, there were only eight games. And when they wrapped it up quickly to come to Vegas, Raider fans came out in full force. I don't see that happening in Oakland with the A's. They're not drawing anyone to begin with. So I don't know how this is going to bring more A's fans in, only other than their final game of all time. And is that going to be in 2025, 2026? I don't even know. I don't know where they're going to play here, what they can do here. I don't even know what's going to happen with everything that goes on with Las Vegas Ballpark and the logistics of having the aviators here. I'm very loyal to the aviators. I love that brand. I love that product. I love everything about the aviators. So there's a lot happening here. It feels like a sports swamp is here now and everybody's using Las Vegas and wanting to be in the entertainment and sports capital of the world. Good example, again, is Thursday night. Thursday night, which is tonight I'm going to the Golden Knights. Saturday I'm going to a world championship fight. They don't have that in Des Moines. Okay, that, that, that doesn't happen, you know, in Biloxi. It happens in Las Vegas. Again, before I bring up our guests, people want to come here. People always love Las Vegas, way before the Rat Pack. They always want to come here. They want to bring their friends, their family. They want to have their bachelor parties. They want to get married here. So don't get mad at us in Vegas because all the teams want to come here. We're more fun. We have a good time. We don't have curfews. We don't have clocks in casinos. No one says at 1.30 in the morning, please move to the front. We're closing. People like to come here and have fun. We have tremendous dining. We have F1 and we have the Super Bowl. And we have the Golden Knights, and we have the rodeo, and on top of all of that, we have all of these events and social events that happen here with youth sports, soccer, youth hockey, and all that. It's a great place to live, and they don't gouge you, and there's no state taxes. And once you stop paying state taxes, you'll never go back again. I don't care where you want to go. I don't care where you, once you stop paying state taxes and look at your check, you say, how, how isn't this like this my whole life? What was I doing before? That's why people are coming to Las Vegas. Levi Edwards joins us from inside the Raiders as he gets ready for the draft. And my man, I'll tell you, you've been working hard, man. You're a, you are drilling down deep. Where are you on your mock or write-ups to the mock or your final presentation on what's going to happen next week? Thank you, JT. It's uh, good to be with you. And the draft has been very hectic just uh, from the standpoint of the unpredictability. Uh, the past couple of years since I've been with the team and you're doing going through draft coverage, I've had a pretty clear idea of what we were going to do with our pick, uh, whether it was in 2021, we're drafting the offensive tackle, and then last year you trade your first two rounds for Devontae, and then you kind of assume that you'll go offensive line again or defensive line in those mid-rounds. And that's exactly what happened. But with this pick at seven, not only do you not know if who the pick will be at seven, you don't even know if they'll stay at seven. And I think that's what's so peculiar about my evaluation of who they'll take, who they won't take, just because you don't know 
if they're going to move up, if they're going to stay where they're at, or if they're going to go back. So there's so many different options for what they might do to where I'm completely lost and clueless on my mock draft, to be honest with you. Yeah, the mock drafts are interesting. I went up against Bucky Brooks. We did this on Raiders Roundtable, and I went with Witherspoon over Gonzalez because I think Witherspoon's just a little bit more physical and, and better in the run game on top of being very similar to Gonzalez. But I'm going cornerback either way. I think it's seven if the Raiders don't move. They'll get Witherspoon or Gonzalez. I pencil them in as a starter. And I don't know if I told you in advance, in my mock, I have the Raiders trading up again into the first round. I could be completely wrong. They could trade the first and go and get three, twos, whatever they're going to do. But I think, Levi, if they get the starter at corner or defensive tackle at seven, the next starter they need to get is the opposite position. So if it's corner early, get the defensive tackle. If it's defensive tackle early, get the corner later. How do you see it? Uh, That's exactly how I see it. you know, of course, I'm not trying to broadcast what uh, the Raiders will do. Uh, of course, Dave Z, he's uh, he's in the building cooking right now, so I don't know what he's going to do. But just from my side, if I'm playing the couch GM of the Las Vegas Raiders, if I have seven, I'm going to go defensive tackle or I'm going to go corner. And I love Christian Gonzalez, and I think that he's an amazing athlete. But like exactly what you said, Devin Witherspoon, he is physical. He has a little bit better size in terms of his height and his and his weight obviously so he's a little bit more physically ready and uh, you know he's going to be a little bit physically more demanding on receivers in coverage really good press coverage guy so I really like Devin Witherspoon uh, as a prospect however you know Christian Gonzalez he's not chopped liver either he's a guy if he's there at seven you got to go for him as well and uh, as well for defensive line you have two guys in Tyree Wilson and uh, Jalen Carter if he slides those are two guys that I believe would be you know day one starters even with Chandler Jones as an edge rusher, this is a guy, Tyree Wilson, that could come in and immediately find his way in that rotation. Jalen Carter, if he comes in, he's a day-one starter out the gate. All these guys that we've named are day-one starters, uh, no matter who's on this roster, that will complement the defense in a great way. If you trade back, you can uh, go linebacker or you can go offensive lineman. There's a couple of good offensive linemen. And, of course, obviously, if you trade up, you're probably going to go with the quarterback. You're probably going to go with either C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young, depending on who does not get drafted by Carolina. Uh, of course, I'm kind of if you want if you want chaos, if you mm-hmm. want real chaos, real shock value. If I'm the Las Vegas Raiders, I'm gonna trade up to two or three. I'm gonna take Will Anderson, and I'm gonna put him across from Whoa. Matt Crosby. And I'm Whoa! Whoa, that, that is interesting. Again, if he's available, if he's available, that would be unbelievable if a trade-up. Hey, Levi, you're young at this. You've only done a few of these, but as you're growing and getting really good here, you know, you mentioned the chaos. Anything could happen here, and as Vinny Bonchignor often says, if they love the quarterback, if they absolutely love Richardson, Stroud, or Levis, and they got to move to get him, I'm cool with that. That means Dave's stamping his fist on the ground saying, that's my guy, and we're going to build him and make him the franchise quarterback. I just don't see that after bringing in Jimmy Garoppolo because I think Garoppolo has got a couple of years left. So the quarterback will table for after the draft, but the offensive lineman and the right tackle availability, you don't get great right tackles in the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round. You get them in the first round or you get them in free agency from other teams. What do you think happens with this offensive line by the end of day two? Well, a couple of things. One, uh, first tackle on the offensive line. I think the offensive line position, or you know, several positions, but I think it's one of the more deep 
groups in the draft. You look at how deep cornerback is. You look at how deep tight end is. But I also think offensive line is really deep. Just from watching the for the Senior Bowl and looking at a lot of these guys, there's a lot of there's some damn good offensive tackles and offensive guards in, in this draft that aren't getting you know the hype that you know these first round guys like Skrnowski or Paris Johnson. You know those guys are getting all the hype at the offensive line, but. The Raiders could get another starter the same way they got Dylan Parham last year and day you know on day two and became a, a starter. Mm-hmm. They could get some really good guys in these mid to late draft uh, in these mid to late draft rounds that could be really productive players. Guys like uh, like a lot. Uh, you have a guy named Cody Mox from uh, North North Dakota State who's pretty good. He might slide into the late first round, early second round. Guys like him are. are really showing who they are. Jalen Duncan from Maryland, big, strong guy. A lot of these mid-round guys, a lot of these day two, day three offensive linemen, if they're on the board, I think they could be just as productive as these guys that are going in the first round. So I really like them, you know, possibly going at those positions later on and then addressing the defense in an earlier round. As for the quarterback position, kind of what you were talking about, even with Jimmy G, Getting, if you are a quarterback getting drafted by the Las Vegas Raiders, you find yourself in a very great position because even though, obviously, they want you to pan out, you're not going to be relied to have the keys on day one. Mm-hmm. You get to come into a system and you get to kind of figure out the offense, figure out your footing, and then, of course, you're expected for Jimmy G to still be the guy so you don't have to be rushed into being the guy and having the whole franchise depend on you from day one like your Trevor Lawrence or your Joe Burrow, you can come in, you can develop and get to figure out things. A lot of people forget Patrick Mahomes, arguably the best quarterback in the league. He didn't start his first season. He got drafted in the first round, sat behind Alex Smith on what was already a playoff team. And I know Patrick Mahomes is a once-a-generational player, but mm-hmm. once again, a lot of these guys come in just because you're drafted in the first round doesn't mean that you're just going to come in and be the guy from day one. And so – I think no matter what round or what pick the Raiders decide they want to go at for quarterback, they find themselves in a really good position of being able to actually come into an organization and learn and develop, and they're not going to be rushing to the scene immediately. Levi Edwards joins us. I remember when he was fighting Bobby to get to 10,000 followers. Now he almost has 13, and Elon took our blue check marks away, even took yours. You worked hard. We, got, we helped get you over 10,000, and Elon came and took your blue check mark? Well, the thing is, it's like I, I was, I was kind of April Fool because the thing is, is that he was supposed to take him on April first, right? And he announced he was going to take him then, and then nothing happened. I was like, okay, cool. Well, Elon's clowning, you know, not enough people must be buying, you know, Twitter blue for him to actually do this. And then he said, okay, well, I'm taking him all of them April twentieth. So I wasn't really, you know, I wasn't really taking any thing serious about it. He was like, okay, well, he's just doing this again. He's going to let me keep it, but. Lo and behold, around noon today, I looked on there and it was gone. Everybody's was yeah. snatched it, and uh, it's it's a sad day. But at the same time, I, uh, you know, the verification us, JT. You know what I mean? Won't hold we us down. We were always inside, <laughs> yes. and so the the kind of work you do on the radio, all the all the grind that you put into what you do, and all the grind I put in the writing, we we are verified, and uh, and the blue check mark does not determine who we are as journalists. You feel me? You got it. I'll see you in the building for the draft. I'll see you at the party. I'll see you throughout the couple of days surrounding the draft. Thanks for doing what you do. 
appreciate you. Thank you for doing what you do. Thank you. Levi Edwards, one of our newer insiders, as we're adding insiders. Who'd we add the last year? We added specifically Levi and Harry Ruiz, the Latino voice of the Silver and Black. For a reason. We want to help out people like I've done throughout my career trying to get a start and get in here and see what they can do. And if they're good, we keep them, along with Paul Gutierrez and the veterans. I call them the veterans, Vic Tafer. Right, the veterans that we have here, Kevin Bollinger, Chris Matthews, uh, Vince Sapienza, Steph McKenzie, who comes on and all that. So, and Vinny Bonsignor, and all the insiders that we use because we all have different strengths and traits. Some guys are locker room guys. They crawl into the locker room. They go up to guys you haven't heard of. They interview them. That's big. That's important. Other guys are you know, at the press conference raising their hands, asking the tough question, some tough questions. Other guys are out there writing great columns. With really good nuggets. We try to get that here on the show. All right, I'm open to the top of the hour. It's it feels like an A's. I don't know. I, I I'm not confu- I'm never confused. I'm I'm concerned. I'm concerned for the Oakland A's fans because I, I like them a lot and I think they're getting duped. They really are. And I understand that not everybody ag- agreed with Mark Davis coming to Vegas. I get that. But I'm more aligned with that move after it happened and what happened with Libby Schaaf, the mayor at the time, and all that. I always tell this story. If you haven't heard it, it'll be the first time I'll tell you quick. I go to a Raider game, and I had to take Rich Gannon. Rich Gannon, this is after he was done with the Raiders. And Rich Gannon was out there, and he's on the field, and I'm talking. And the mayor was there, and the mayor wanted to go to the black hole. And I said, no, I'm not going to take I'm not a political guy. I'm not going to take you to the black hole. So the mayor came down at the time and was near the black hole and was heard on the record pointing to a player saying, that's Tim Brown. That's Tim Brown. I want to meet Tim Brown. It was Rich Gannon. Swear to God on my kids. On my kids, I swear to God this happened. And I sat there and I said, oh, my God. This is what we're dealing with. And the politicians get in the way of sports all the time. I believe uh, this is the way the game is played. In a perfect world in utopia, every owner is worth tens of billions of dollars. They find the dirt. They dig the dirt. They build the stadium. They pay the players and do all that. Most of the owners don't want to get involved with the real estate. They're not real estate developers. They own teams. They don't develop real estate. Now, Stan Kroenke wanted to do that. Robert Kraft wanted to develop the Patriots. Jerry Jones loved developing real estate even though he had oil connections. Mark Davis and Al Davis weren't real estate developers. Mr. Davis owned the team. He was the general partner, accumulated more wealth in the team, and then it was passed down to Mark. And Mrs. Davis, who's with us, that great lady who owns the team. You know, Mark isn't a real estate developer, but he was able to get a sweetheart deal and a good deal, which took a lot of work with a lot of good people behind the scenes to get that dirt and to build the stadium. And now it's a jewel in the desert. Are the A's trying to copy exactly what Mark Davis did on the record? Absolutely. And they will not give him any credit for it, nor does Mark look for it. But believe me, they'd throw Mark under the table if they could in a minute. And that's why I'm, I'm keeping an eye on that story. Now, can everybody play nice in the Vegas sandbox? Probably because from Tommy White building it with the 872 laborers, to the governors that we've had in the past, Governor Sandoval, Governor Sistelak, Governor Lombardo now, 
They all have something in common. They care about the Vegas economy. They know that airplanes need to land 80 every, se- every 80 seconds with tourists who want to go to sporting events and concerts and casinos. And they don't get in the way. They don't get in the way of construction sites. Now, we got a lot of construction going on in this city. There's a lot of cones going up, man. The cone zone, that's getting me a little bit worried there for a second. But the city is growing beyond belief, and there's a lot to do here. And there's plenty of room for everybody. But you got to give credit to the people who get here first. And I always give credit to Mr. Foley and what he's been able to do with the Golden Knights. All right. Otani 0 for 1. Yankees 5. Angels nothing in the bottom of the second. I like that type of party. Judge, another run. You see the judge catch going over the wall to take the Otani ball back. That was a lot of fun to see. All right. We'll wrap it up on the other side. Then I'm heading over to the Golden Knights game. A little early. Yeah, I'll go a little early tonight. Pick up the credential. Uh, sit around, say hi to some friends, bop around. I think it's going to be on edge tonight. I think a lot of EGK fans are on edge because if they lose this one, good luck coming home again to Vegas. Go get them, VGK. We desperately need a win in Vegas tonight. If it was a different player with a different history, would he have been suspended here? That's a possibility, yes. That's a possibility that it could have been differently. You know, we look at all, each one of them when they come through, and, and we sit down and we pour through it. Uh, and, yeah, Adrian and I had a conversation earlier, and I said that. Like, it could be. It, it possibly could be for sure. That's Joe Dumars on the suspension of Draymond Green. How about this for a scenario? Draymond doesn't play tonight. They lose. And the next game, game three, excuse me. So Draymond doesn't play game three. They lose because they don't have Draymond, which is a real possibility. I'd like to see the Warriors win tonight. They're playing the Kings at home. But let's assume for this conversation they lose. They go 0-3. Series is over. Dead. So Draymond Green would take the court for game four. Game four down 0-3. That would be his last ever game as a Warrior. He's done. He's not coming back. I know the contract situation, the option, all that. They're going to do everything to get rid of Draymond. Draymond's not having a victory lap if he's the reason they lost this series for an ejection or one of the reasons. So Draymond could come back game four, and if they lose that game, wave to the crowd and never be seen again other than the night when his number goes in the rafters. You see, Draymond Green's in a unique situation. He's going to go to the Basketball Hall of Fame. His number's going to be retired and moved to the rafters with Rick Barry and a lot of other great players. But, man, he, he cost them a championship, the LeBron championship, for his ejection. He could cost them this series. He shouldn't get all the blame, but he'll get a lot of it if the Warriors don't come back and win and they lose this game. Or maybe he inspires them. Maybe by getting kicked out and suspended, that fires up the Warriors tonight and they get on a roll. We don't know. We'll see how that plays out. Uh, 76ers and the Nets are playing also the Suns. And the Clippers, as you look at the games coming up here, Kawhi's not going to play because he has a bruised knee. Really? Kawhi's playing great, great in this series, and now he's not going to play. Game three is Durant is starting to hook up, uh, heat up a little bit with Booker. On an NFL news story today, uh, next week we got four shows in a row. Thursday we're going to be on from three to five instead of noon to two. 
and we're going to get you ready for the draft over at the Raider facility. If you're going to Raider draft parties, if you're trying to figure out what you're going to do there, the the Black Hole's got a big party going for the Legends, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So if you're looking for a party to go to, Cisco and Mark just sent me the link to this, the Legends draft party featuring DJ Melstar and Thump. It'll be at Ghost Bar at the Palms coming up, and that is on Thursday, April 27th. I will be attending that after the Raiders draft and the Raiders team uh, draft party, which I have to be at. That'll be good. If you haven't been to the Ghost Bar, that was that was an old-time hangout for all of us back in the day. That was fun. Oh, the amount of fun we had at the Ghost Bar back in the day when the Palms opened up. Just a really good time. Uh, here's a former Patriots story. Matt Patricia goes to the Eagles, the former Lions head coach, uh, part of the Patriot way is now an Eagle. The Eagles have hired former Detroit Lion head coach and New England Patriot assistant Matt Patricia as a senior defensive assistant, according to Adam Schefter. He's always been a good coach, maybe not a great head coach, but a good coach, and that will add to that team as that team tries to win another NFC championship game. Remember, they lost the Super Bowl and lost a few players, a couple of important players along the way there as we continue on. So, uh, that's about it here. There, there's another uh, story that came out today that I thought was very interesting. Mark Davis insisted on having grass, insisted on having grass at Allegiant Stadium. Well, new injury data shows grass significantly safer than turf. That came out from Kevin Seifert from ESPN. Non-contact injuries for NFL players occurred at a higher rate on artificial turf compared to grass during the 2022 regular season, according to that data. The gap arose one year after the league moved to neutralize a debate about the two types of surfaces based on the 2021 numbers. And you see that every once in a while. They're playing on terrible turf at a couple of stadiums. Most importantly, the Giants at MetLife. The Giants and the Jets play there, and it's just a god-awful experience to play there. Jeff Miller, an NFL executive vice president of communications, public affairs, and policy, said in a statement today, there are no simple answers to this discussion. The league... And the Players Association have access to the same injury information and it is leading towards the turf being an issue going forward. That's a big topic that they get got to get to. Growing grass is really difficult. We saw the Super Bowl screwed up for a bad turf. It's really hard to dial in the turf here. I think generally they do a pretty good job, but you got a lot of events. UNLV plays on the turf, which is smart for the college kids. Young, fast, play on the turf. And Mark Davis wants grass, and when the grass is grown, Perfectly, it looks really good here. So that's another NFL story that is breaking here today. As I finish up my mock draft, I started this about three years ago with my oldest son. We do a father-son mock draft, and I'll put that out on Monday. And now I added my second son to it, and he just sent it to me. He's done. He goes, Dad, I finished. So we're going to take all three of our mock drafts. We're going to work together this weekend on Zoom, and we're going to put together our mock draft, which will be a lot of fun as we put that out there. And then next week, uh, the Raiders assured me we're going to have a couple of guests on, along with Bucky Brooks, a couple of the mock draft guys from within the building, and we'll do a broadcast coming up. Eric Allen's coming into town. Lincoln Kennedy's coming into town. Fred Bolitnikoff gets into town on Saturday. Uh, I believe his event is close to selling out. It hasn't yet. Go to Bolitnikoff.org if you want to be a part of Freddie's Golf Tournament, which is Monday coming up here. I'll be off on Monday emceeing that event here. We'll have some Raider programming for you as we roll on. That's a fun golf tournament at Canyon Gate. And afterwards, there's going to be a lot of Raider legends here in town. Phil Villapiano told you earlier that he, Mike Ciani, and about eight or nine other Raiders legends are going to fly to see John Vela 
who isn't doing well, but hopefully will do better once he sees his teammates there. So that's big. I got the fight Saturday night. And, Bobby, you're running the VGK game tonight. I know you haven't – you know that I, – I, you look concerned to me. What's going on? That's my money. If they get tossed out in the first round, that's my money. Yeah, you, you That's you why do. I'm concerned. Yeah, It's going to be a crazy week next week. Jeez, yeah. between the Golden Knights playoffs, games four, five, and six, mm-hmm. and then you've got the draft like going on yeah. Thursday, Friday. Wow. So the four, five, six in the games in Winnipeg, the series could be over if they lose tonight, having to go to Winnipeg. It could. If they're down 0-2 going to Winnipeg. Yeah, yeah. yeah it could be. Because so Saturday they, and Monday are up there. Game 5 is back here. It's, it's, it, the Jets are a tough team. They always play the Golden Knights hard. They are a tough team. We remember when the Golden Knights were born, Vegas born, and they had to go up there and play them on the way to the Stanley Cup, the whiteout, the way that building gets going. Winnipeg's got one thing. Well, they got two. They got the CFL team and they got the hockey team. It's going to be a tough environment for Vegas to win. They have to win tonight. Go all in, and I hope to see you there. Find me there tonight at the game. I can't wait to go. Thanks to Bobby for putting the show together. What a show. Kevin Ioli, Phil Villapiano, Levi Edwards joined us. Who would we have early, too, in that first out? Dave Gosher. Ghost joined us, TV voice of the Golden Knights. Four guests today. They were all good. Good calls. The A's calls that came in or not, whatever. We got till 2027 to beat that up, I think. Have a great day. Q's on deck. He's got a lot to say. Q's a big sports fan. Programs on stations. There's a lot of new things happening here. Stay tuned for all of that on the flagship of the Raiders.